Okay, let's call the meeting back to order. We are at item number seven, public comment. At this time, we will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting but over which the Board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the Board to place an item Related to the business of the district on a future agenda, no action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to no more than five minutes. And uh, at this point, I do have a speaker card for a, an item later in the agenda. However, this is a student, and uh, she's having a little bit of a, a tough time with, sounds like her, her breathing has a little bit of a cough, and if there's no objection, I'd like to ask her to come up and speak now on DACA. Julissa Vispania. Thank you so much for letting me talk. Um, so, yeah, my voice is just going to be a little off today just because of all the coughing, so I apologize. Um, so, yeah, my name is Julissa Vispania, and thank you for letting me speak today. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you ask someone a question but do, not under, but do not understand what they are saying, so you stand there awkwardly trying to piece things together because you don't understand their language? <clears throat> Imagine living in a safe environment all your, all your life to then waking up the next day to a dangerous, unknown world, an environment you have no clue what to do, how to act, or even how to speak to others. It's hard for us to, na to navigate the world that we have been living in for most of our life anyway, let alone having to live in fear of being deported. It is important to understand at times how difficult life can be for a DACA student, and it is crucial that places like Nap Napa Valley College help the lives of their students in the best way they can. Communication is the first step to facilita facilitating the agony that some of these students face. Today I will address DACA and what this school has done to assist DACA students and my personal opinion of what should be done. Since DACA has been repealed, I think Napa Valley has done a great job in making the campus environment a safe one. In November 2016, after the um, presidential election, the school has made sure to let its students know that the campus is a safe place, whether you are documented or not. Posters were placed all over the school saying, you are welcome, you are loved. This school made it known to students that it is, a, that it is safe here and no discrimination is okay on this campus. After Thanksgiving break <clears throat> in 2016, the IIBA, or the International Immigration of the Bay Area Organization, have, had been um, invited to Napa, by Napa Valley College to come and discuss new information to students about immigration and DACA. This was extremely helpful. As we know, Napa Valley College is part of a larger organization of all the community colleges in the state of California. In Sacramento, there was a chancellor that put out information about the additional funding for scholarships for students to help renew their DACA. Napa Valley made sure to put it on their website. This was beneficial to our students. However, not everyone saw this information. 
Also, the Napa Valley College Dream Team student group got other students involved with educating others about DACA and DREAMers. This club then became a local nonprofit organization that is now known as Napa Valley Dream Team. In April, the school came out with a forum online discussing the values of the school, basically saying that this campus is a sanctuary campus. It also said that Napa Valley College police are not ICE, which is important to get that information across. In August of 2017, there was a DACA renewal workshop on campus. It assisted undocumented students to get their DACA filed and help apply for their DACA renewal. From help by the Napa Valley Dream Team, Puertas Abiertas, Craig Alamo and his team, and the Mexican Consulate. Unfortunately, I did not get this information until months later, when it was already too late. On September 5th, Mr. Craig Alamo did a briefing in the Cultural Center about DACA. Craig Alamo is in charge of putting information on the school's website, and he has done a tremendous job and putting all information regarding DACA up on the site. You can find most of this information on the equity page. But not everyone knows this. Not every student at um, Napa Valley knows this. And I think it's important that, that they, they should. On campus, um, <clears throat> sorry. our campus has accomplished many things and has helped DACA students. However, they haven't helped all of them. I believe that the communication on campus is a crucial part to success. There was, there was an important forum on campus two Fridays after the election in 2016 for DACA students. <clears throat> but only two people showed up. Why do you think that is? Communication on campus is flawed and should be better. Posters in the bathroom, information on the campus television screen should constantly be upta updated. And faculty and staff should know to give important information to students. It should be a mandatory thing. And not everyone is using their NVC email since it's so complicated. It's important for professors to make their students use their school emails instead of their personal ones. <clears throat> the Napa Valley Dream Team on campus now is not currently active as much as it should be. I will be connecting with them, with the Dream Team, and find out how we can get club access to funds. Although communication on campus needs to be fixed, I would still like to give thanks to the president of Napa Valley College, Dr. Kraft, um, and the director of equity and inclusivity, Craig Alamo, um, also the Community Resource Center um, organization, Puertas Abiertas, Napa Valley Dream Team and the International Immigration of the Bay Area Organization for making change in our Napa Valley community. In the past few minutes, I have given you a brief description and my personal evaluation of what this school has done to assist DACA students. We as a community know the importance of helping others in need, and many will do whatever they can to help. It is crucial that places like Napa Valley College help the lives of their students in the best way they can. We as a school must find better ways to communicate helpful information to those in stressful situations. Napa Valley College never backs down to a challenge. It's not that Napa Valley isn't doing anything to help those in need. It's just that we as a school must find better ways to communicate helpful, helpful information to those in stressful situations. Thank you so much.
Are there any other members of the public who wish to speak? Seeing no one approach the podium, we'll close the public comment. And we are down to constituent group reports. 8.1 Academic Senate Amanda Badgett. Good evening, board. Again, um, in the wake of the fires and the unanticipated time out of the classroom, faculty and students are still finding that equilibrium between covering course content and battling fatigue or lack of focus. My colleagues are working diligently to make those painful revisions to syllabi and to fit, to fit into a new calendar while upholding the integrity and the academic outcomes of the class. It's both challenging and anxiety-producing, and this for a faculty who themselves, many of whom were impacted by the fires in small and in very profound ways. I do want to thank the administration for forging new lines of communication when our towers went down. The VPI and I stayed in contact throughout the crisis when the signal would allow. Additionally, I want to Thank Eric for inviting faculty who were able to make it to campus Thursday, the 19th of October, for cookies and for an opportunity just to reconnect, um, which uh, I myself and I think many others found um, a great comfort. A crisis like this provides opportunity, an opportunity to look at a new, at what it means to be a community, but it also gives, gives us a chance to look at where gaps exist and, uh, for example, backup plans related to communication <laughs> so that uh, the VPI and the dean don't have to go to Starbucks and American Canyon and call everybody they know. <laughs> um, but uh, so though none of us would want a similar catastrophe as what we've been through, um, it does, it seems to me, pay to think about uh, the unfortunate possibility of something happening like this again and thinking about where we can find, work together to kind of uh, fill those gaps. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Chief Arnold has disappeared after all the things that were said about him. Um, so we're going to skip him at 8.3. It looks like Raphael Monzo is also not here. Chair. Do you have a report? Yeah, I'll be doing his report. Thank you. Hello, Boyd. I will be speaking for Raphael, and I will quote him. The ASNBC board has created a disaster relief fund and a committee to manage it, but the application and guidelines are in development. In the meantime, we are grateful to the NBC Foundation for offering a relief source, and we are referring students there. Our board members are also students in their own right, and as such, have been affected by the fire crisis in various ways. Our focus now is a our focus now is a refocus to our studies and to our relief initiative. Events are still in planning, however, which will aim to support that relief as well. We are also in talks to host the annual Angel Tree event, where we set up a holiday tree in the lobby of McCarthy Library, adorned with holiday wishes from local children and our CDC 
Center. The tree would go up on November 21st. Lastly, we want to thank Dr. Kraft for presenting to our board at our last two meetings. Thank you for keeping our governing board updated. On behalf of all student government, we thank you. Thank you. 8.4 Classified Association Report, Jan Short, not present. 8.5 Classified Senate Report, Michael Rayford, also not present. 8.6 Faculty Association Report, Christy Wamoto. Thank you. I wanted to echo my colleague Amanda Badgett's sentiments and express my appreciation for the way that the college administration, faculty, and community were able to pull together. Uh, the Faculty Association has tried to do our part where we can, assisting in communications and um, trying to uh, help out our own faculty, some of whom lost their homes, some of whom were evacuated, in some cases on three separate occasions. And uh, in a way, we're, you know, we're grateful that we largely got out, um, out of things intact. And uh, so today, we actually, the Faculty Association at our general meeting, we, uh, we voted to make a donation from our Faculty Association to the Faculty Association of Santa Rosa Junior College, who is one of our neighboring colleges. They actually um, had over uh, 50 faculty impacted uh, by the fire of uh, 50 faculty lost their homes, and about 300 of their students lost their homes as well. So uh, we're, we're trying to do our part, not just to be here for our community, but to extend uh, uh, our hands to our neighboring communities and our neighboring colleges as well. Thank you. Thank you. Nine, Superintendent, President, Report, Dr. Kraft. Thank you. And Chrissy, I want to thank you for taking your great dog to the bookstore, along with other great dogs who, who are care and support dogs, emotional, what's the, what's the term? Therapy dogs. And so you were surrounded. I could, actually had to fight my way in to pet that little guy. Um, and, but it is, uh, it's those kinds of personal one-on-one -on -one conversations that really make a difference to the students and faculty something. Um, um, Bill Hardy and Ann Branch are here for the foundation, and um, I don't know who's up first. Maybe, Bill, you are. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Dr. Kraft. First of all, I just want to echo what other people have said, that I could not be more proud of this school. Uh, it's just uh, what I saw here when I came over here to, to, to see this shelter was really astounding. I mean, I, I was just absolutely dumbstruck. It was, uh, it was really quite wonderful. The, uh, <clears throat> our foundation start, immediately started a, a campaign to help students who were affected by the wildfires, including uh, providing money for them. And uh, because a lot, of, a lot of students lost a lot of their stuff and sometimes lost everything except the clothes they had on their back. We have collected, uh, we started with $15,000 of our own that we pledged toward it, and we have collected uh, $50,000 and, and are dispersing $50,000 worth of, of gifts based on a, a need that people have as a result of the fire. Uh, some of the gifts we received were substantial. One was a, the a gift from the Arvin Nashal, which is a group of, of men in the American Canyon, I believe, for $10,000, and then the Redwood the credit union, which, as you probably are aware, was extremely generous and helpful 
throughout this uh, experience, uh, has given some gift cards for students so that they can buy the clothing and other things that they need uh, in a total amount of around $6,000. And one of our own board members, Malcolm DeSayas, has a foundation which has donated $5,000. And, and there's some other gifts as well, including one from Maria Martinelli, uh, to give $1,000 and another $1,000 gift from the Student Insurance Fund. The uh, On the board, the Napa Valley College Foundation Board is in the process of recruiting members to... Uh, uh, to join us, and uh, uh, we're always interested in hearing your recommendations on persons that you think might be uh, suitable for us, and that we might that uh, might be helpful to our organization. But we have several names in mind. We have, we're meeting with some people, and, and we're going to expand the board. Uh, you have the normal process of attrition from uh, people being termed out and and others uh, moving. We uh, last week gave out. Uh, six scholarships at the uh, Culinary Institute uh, up Valley. It was a really wonderful experience. Uh, uh, it was a wonderful experience to have lunch with, with those people because they're such great cooks. Uh, they all are. Uh, but it was it was really terrific. Uh, it's got to be the, the best thing you can possibly do in a, in a foundation like ours is to give out money to people who need it, to students who need it. And it's uh, uh, having been a scholarship student back 150 years ago, myself, it was. Uh, uh, it's very important for me to give back. The uh, we are uh, dealing with the, the the BWT program, which I've we've discussed at at some length uh, other times, trying to figure out exactly where we go from here in light of the of the tremendous amount of uh, charitable giving that's going on with the wildfires. But it looks like we're we're proceeding forward. We are collecting uh, a, a, a committee, a sort of a fundraising committee, and, and uh, the, the problem is, is going to be not only raising the money, but is also trying to find someone to build the stuff if, if we are able to raise the money, because I guess there's going to be quite a call on architects and builders over the next uh, three or four years. But we'll, we're, we're dealing with that, and we'll, we will uh, let you know about decisions that we make on that, ho hopefully in the next month or so. Uh, among the projects we've had, which I've outlined previously, is working with students who ha have food insecurity, which when I first heard about this was just shocking to me, that there are students who don't have enough food. And uh, it seems like that's sort of basic human right, and uh, we're, we're, wanting to, uh, uh, we're wanting to help out that way. So we have an ongoing relationship with the Student Association uh, to assist in that. So we're helping the students by giving them money when, when the, from being displaced by the fires and by giving them the food where needed. The, uh, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to come here, and I appreciate the, the opportunity to do so. If you have any questions, please let me know. Thank you, Bill. Um, I would mention, too, um, the, um, the folks from Barnes & Noble Met with us and came over and you know our, our school store here and pledged four thousand directly to students and, and so appreciate that and they're um, they're fully uh, on board and helping folks as as we go so um, I'm sure that's that's not the last of the dollars that are coming in as well um, let's see let me uh, move along here to um, president's report I I would if you can just open this for a minute Cynthia. There, there are a lot of pieces in here, and, and we have a long 
um, agenda tonight, but I, I would say that um, we're going to come back and look at these in more detail as the as the year progresses and as more information comes. But um, take a look at a couple of these as as you will. You can re, you can refresh and look at these in the, in the future. But um, there is AB19, which is the Cal Promise. It's gotten a lot of traction and a lot of um, uh, publicity, and really is a, one of the first steps to what I enjoyed as a community college student, which was basically $5 per semester. Um, that's what I paid at Grossmont College in San Diego. And we're getting back to that, and the pendulum is swinging to a time where I think community college students are not going to be denied access because they can't afford the fees. And that is a huge um, benefit to this community. Um, if you scroll, just keep on scrolling down, I think, a little bit. Local, there was a couple things. Um, I did a Leadership Napa Valley presentation, which is um, a link. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a state of the college and gives you a, a look at um, how we are doing in the community and things that we are doing in the community. Um, further down, just keep on scrolling. Thank you. I'm doing it kind of quickly. There's some, there's some information on the general obligation facilities bond feasibility. It lays out for you basically the, the steps that have been taken. We're still... Um, early on in the process and gathering information on the feasibility. The forums that we had here on campus, the initial forums, were filmed and um, done nicely thanks to Choey and team, and they are available. You can view that on the president's website. Silverado Braceball uh, update, we're kind of moving, moving along with them, and there's some information there. If it all goes forward, it will be a, um, an exciting summer. I mean, we go get to see some, some baseball in our own field down there. Um, fire response and recover we've done. There was, a, there was a, another follow-up pancake breakfast that was really a, a tremendous event, pulled together very quickly that followed on the heels of the fire. And it was to honor first responders and Mike Thompson and Senator Dodd, and myself, and many other people were there. And it was really um, very, very uh, heartening. Just, just to see that. Festival Napa Valley did also a, a fire benefit. Um, there is, who is that in my clown outfit? That looks like Robert Malay. Yes, it's Robert Malay. Um, not to be lost, the Napa Valley College will always find its way to celebrate a little bit, so we didn't want the Halloween things to get lost there. Um, and then this is just the Festival Napa Valley um, there's a check over here on the wall. Um, they were very gracious. This, these are not fire-related, but they donated $10,000 to the, the college for its arts and performing um, programs, and um, we have good uses for those dollars, and they're, they're a hub and a partner for us in residence. I talked a bit about the Bracero, um, and I think there was one other piece on here. Cooking School Commencement, which um, we talked about, was exceptional, and I think... I agree with Bill. Um, there, the scholarship ceremony at that commencement is so meaningful because those few dollars, from our perspective, I think, um, make such a great difference to individual students. It's really life-changing. Um, so with that, you can, you can double-check and, and go back, if you will, and, and I would just um, draw your attention to any, any future. Uh, two things. One, I just w wanted to point out that the link for your presentation for the Etienne uh, the leadership isn't working. Oh, okay. And um, also, 
I was just curious about the um, the survey, the district-wide survey uh, that's tentatively scheduled for mid-November. I was wondering what format that's going to take and how it would be distributed. I think that's on the agenda, isn't it, the bond? No, I'm not sure. Can you help me out, Carolee? I'm not sure. Or you can pull to that, that piece. I don't have the report in front of me, unfortunately. I only have a slide. Yeah, the campus feedback survey will oh, be... Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. it'll be SurveyMonkey, hard copy, and um, an email form. It is just to interest. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. We have two or three surveys going, so I wasn't sure which one you were talking about. And uh, we'll fix the link to the, um, to the other piece as well. Thank you. I had a question about the Silverados, if we ever got a legal opinion about whether or not they're going to be able to, if they're exempt from Ed Code against serving alcohol. We did. Um, we did. Out? We reached out to, to legal, and, and um, Carolee got that, and the board chair also got a copy of that. Yeah, it just came in just a couple of days ago, and actually I'd like to talk to Dr. Kraft about when we would be having kind of an update on it, and I didn't get to it. Uh, it, it has been answered. Will it get sent out to the board? Or? Yeah, we yeah. can send that out. Thank you. So, um... um um, I know this got put in the press release, and so then it's in this report, and actually comes up later on the bond item. But the, there's this mistake: the over 57 percent of respondents it was actually 56.1. I know it got, like I said, it was in the press release, but then it keeps on getting repeated now. So I just want to point that out that it's actually 56.1. Thank you. We'll go back and check that as well. And our Crack PIO is ready to to go for it. Thank you. Um, Dr. Kraft and the board. I just wanted to tell you there are two clipping services, one for September and one for October. The September report would have been done in October when we didn't have the October. So you got two reports, and they're very scintillating. I encourage you to, to read them, especially the, the reports surrounding the, the uh, shelter. During the fire, uh, you know, any anybody who has uh, <clears throat> questions about uh, the register's coverage, uh, keep watching because more articles will be coming out. Thank you, Doug. We're we're endeavoring to keep this brisk and move along here. You know, so um, cabinet's report is next. So we'll just kind of go with um, BP Student Affairs, maybe. Awesome. Thank you. My, my report is, is, is posted, but there's a couple of things I did want to highlight. One is the event that we had this, this past week, which is the, uh, the HBCU tour. It's, it's, uh, we had 22 schools uh, of the historically black, um, black colleges and universities here. And what was nice about this event is that we've been trying to have it here at Napa College for at least a few years. And uh, thanks to, to Dean Howard Willis and to uh, Mar Marcia Sanchez, it was, it was made a possibility. The other beauty of this event is that uh, uh, these schools had the, the opportunity to admit students on the spot. We had several of the high school students who attended that were admitted to, to these colleges on, uh, on the spot. They, they had transfers with them. But also several of these students received full-ride scholarships. So, again, uh, it was a very successful event. And uh, thanks to the council department and to Howard Willis and to Marcia Sanchez for, for their efforts. Um, also, as you can see, um, every, every fall semester, what I do is, is I do my, my sort of my own tour, and I visit all our all our high schools in our service area. 
And the idea here is to meet with the principal and the vice principals and then the counselors of those high schools. And I take uh, two or three of my staff members with me uh, to share with them what our plans may be for, for them for the school year, but more importantly to listen to them and what, uh, and what services they, they'd like for us to, to, to offer them. Uh, we're now on a real nice roll in that we have almost like a free roll structured format for providing the enrollment services, which includes the, the assessment there on campus, includes the orientation there on their campus, includes the, the counseling there on their campus. And so um, um, the schools are very, very thankful for, for our services. Uh, and lastly, I want to just uh, call to, to your attention, it's a document that I, that I put together every year, or at least I've made for the last five or six years, and it's a report that I put together for, for student affairs. And what this document uh, shows you, it shows the, the accomplishments that each of the units within student affairs have, have, uh, have, have done have met uh, during the school year. It also shares with you those, those goals that were not met where, where they came up just a bit short. Uh, it also uh, shares with you the, the thoughts and the innovations that uh, each of the units with the student affairs has and uh, plans for the future. And uh, it gives you the information on the students that were served by each of the units. Here there's approximately 14 of the units, programs, and services that are represented. And uh, one of the elements that, that we added to our last year report was our, uh, was our uh, service assessment. Uh, this year it wasn't included because it wasn't ready to, to be part of this printing, but that's the fifth element that we've added to this report. So all student affairs folks know our, our, uh, our learning outcomes and, and the assessment of them. So tomorrow's, uh, it's, it's a holiday, so it's very fortunate that you have the time to read this document. And, um, but, but again, if you have any questions, please let me know. Okay? Thank you very much. Thank you, Oscar. I had one quick question. Uh, how does this tie in with um, AB19? What's the, like, do we have a plan for the whole first year free tuition from the well, high schools? Well, actually, we, we, uh, we talked about this in the cabinet just the other day, and I think the, the agreement that we have is, is, that, is that three vice presidents will, will, will get together and sort of strategize in the, the best way to, to, to get it publicized and to make sure that it works. The other, the other piece I'm waiting for is that there's more information that we're waiting for the chancellor's office. Until we get the, uh, the final piece of information, we can't, can't put a plan together. But as, as I visited the, uh, the high schools, I haven't known to them that this college promise is, is a reality, uh, but the details are, are yet to come. Charlie, do you have anything? I just want to remind everyone that on December the 1st, Napa Valley College will be hosting its first and own job fair. We are recruiting faculty, both full-time and part-time faculty. We're recruiting administrators and classified staff. And we're also trying to build our temporary pools. We're looking for volunteers, and we're looking for attendees. So please, please, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, but most importantly, <laughs> attend our job fair. December the 1st, 3 to 6 in the community room. Thank you. Nice sell. Yeah, I like that. Eric, please. There's no way I can follow that, Charles. <laughs> um, actually, uh, to follow on that, let's start at the, at the end of my report. So we do have a, a written report here. I won't go over, over every single thing in detail here. Um, I, so along with the job fair that's going on, uh, we, have approved the, uh, we have approved eight tenure-track faculty hires that we will be working on and recruiting for at the job fair in December. 
um, and that we will be bringing to the Board of Trustees for final approval next spring. These would be for faculty that will start in the fall of 2018. Um, I just want to point out that this is a significant commitment on the part of the district to ensure that our staffing level levels are consistent with where we've been in the past. Um, currently, our, our minimum faculty obligation number, which is a number that the Chancellor's Office gives us through um, a, a Byzantine formula, perhaps I should say, uh, from the Chancellor's Office, um, is 90 at this point in time. Um, after we finish this, uh, this round of hiring, we will be at 102 full-time faculty members. Um, plus, we have uh, some full-time leave replacements and grant-funded positions as well. So this is a significant commitment on the part of the district to ensure that our students have uh, the best instructors possible. And uh, full-time instructors work really well because they also are able to provide office hours for students and a lot of other service to the students and to the college community. So we're very excited about that. Uh, the eight positions that we will be uh, recruiting for include two positions in math. We'll be hiring one in English. We'll be hiring one for ESL and basic skills one for history, one for human services, one for child and family studies and education, and one for music. And um, so these represent a mixture of retirement replacements, and this is a total of two net new positions for the college. So we're very excited about uh, moving forward with this, and uh, we've got a lot of work to do in the, in the coming months on this, all of us involved in this. So you'll be hearing more from us on that in the spring. Um, a couple of other quick things to point out here if we go back up to the top of the report today. Um, I'm really happy to be able to announce to the Board of Trustees tonight that today the Board of Registered Nursing um, had its uh, November meeting and that, um, uh, that Napa Valley College was removed from warning status as of 9.30 a.m. this morning. Um, I was live streaming it in my office this morning but had to duck out for a meeting and it happened while I was gone, unfortunately. Um, uh, but uh, we're really we're, we're tremendously proud of the staff, the administrators, and the faculty in the Associate Degree of Nursing program here and the incredible work that they have put in over the last 18 months to 24 months um, to work with the Board of Registered Nursing. Um, the, uh, the fantastic news that came out of this as well is that our current NCLEX, our licensure pass rate, is 92%, which is much more consistent with where we've been in the past. So... Um, we're seeing a really good payoff from all of the, the fruit of the hard labor of the people that are working in that area. So we're very pleased to be able to announce that to the board tonight. So just briefly on post-fire update return to teaching. So we came back to the classroom uh, to teach on October 23rd. Um, and, and I've got to tell you, it has been an incredible joy to work with the instructional faculty and staff here at the college um, as we've shifted back into the teaching mode. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet with faculty in groups and many, many, many one-on-one -on -one meetings as I've walked the hallways and sat with people in their offices and talked them through the ins and outs of making what is a major course correction halfway through the semester um, in revising syllabi, course expectation sheets, and doing a whole lot of work to ensure that the students are getting the education that they signed up for and that we don't dilute the academic rigor of the courses and programs that we offer here. And they are doing extraordinary work on this front. The flexibility and creativity that they've shown on this has been um, just outstanding, and I'm really, really proud to be working with all of them right now on this. Um, it's not been without its difficulties, too. There's been some bumps along the way, and some of the one-on-one -on -one meetings were a little more tense than others, um, but uh, on, on whole, we are doing a, an amazing job of responding to that. 
Um, we've got a tremendous instructional staff here at the college doing that. Um, a couple of other things more globally on, on, on that return. So I have been meeting with my counterparts from Santa Rosa Junior College, from Mendocino College, and from Solano Community College. All four of us had closures as a result of the fires. And so we have been coordinating our efforts together with any asks that we need to make of the chancellor's office in response to the fire. So if there's any, uh, any uh, provisions that need to be waived out of Title V regulations or anything where we feel like to adequately serve our students in the coming years that we need to have any exceptions made, that we're uh, taking that in a, as a concerted effort from all four of our districts in going forward on that. And so it's been wonderful to be able to work with my, with my colleagues at those other colleges in that. Um, and then uh, finally, um, and I think that many of you have heard this already because many of you have come to the public forums that we've had here too. So one of the questions that came up, uh, that came up a lot from our students in particular is they were concerned about it and our teaching faculty as well was, you know, how will the actual loss of two weeks affect, you know, a student being able to actually get credit for the course that they're taking. And so just as a summary on that, again, uh, we, we won't experience any problem on that front. Um, our college operates on the maximum number of weeks that you can possibly operate on and still call it a semester. Um, and so we're far above the minimum requirement both for the state regulations and for accreditation and federal purposes. So... Um, part of that is that we bought back some hours by extending regular classes through finals week rather than having an altered schedule during finals week. So there will be no extension of the semester. Um, there will be no additional days that will happen for the classes. And so everything is solid on the academic front. Um, so uh, again, though, I do, I do want to say that, that, the, that the burden of making that work is, you know, we've got two of the people sitting right over here tonight um, and our faculty leadership, because uh, a lot of that is falling on them at this moment. And so I really appreciate their continued efforts on that front. Um, and uh, I did provide a list for you uh, in recognition of the fire, some of the names of the instructional staff and faculty um, that were here and working and uh, dedicating many, 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 many hours uh, to the evacuation center operations. I, I saw so many of you during that week as well, and so I know that you know um, who was out here. We've seen a lot of photos of them, but I wanted to provide you a list um, so that you had a, a real sense of the depth of this. And this is inclusive of, of classified unit members. This is faculty. This is staff. And this is just my shop here at the college. This is just a small slice of the total number of people here at the college that responded and gave selflessly in coming and working uh, to help our community. Um, I, and I do want to make one, one note because our, our, the president of our faculty association did bring it up, and I want to make sure I, I publicly thank you once again for allowing me access to your communication tool that you have with faculty. So our faculty association maintains an off-campus uh, email list so that they can communicate uh, with each other, and the uh, faculty association president offered to send messages on my behalf to that list when we couldn't do anything with our campus email. So I want to make sure that I thank you again because it's not every association and administration that would do that together. So I really appreciate the uh, close working relationship that we've developed and, and uh, how you offered that up. Thank you very much. And that will be it for tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And our stellar Vice President of Administrative Services. Is there any time left? Um, <laughs> so... So just a few things. First of all, from the business and finance office, I just wanted to say that our payroll staff, uh, Imelda Bosco and Donnell Estrada, were pressed into service during the fire closure weeks so that we could ensure that everyone received a paycheck on October 31st. 
Um, and part of that was asking people to submit time cards for hourly employees and part-time employees and made the commitment that if a part-time or hourly employee was scheduled to work during those closure weeks that they would be paid for the hours that they were scheduled to work. And so um, the first closure week was in the October paycheck. The second closure week will be in the November paycheck. And so if you were scheduled, if an hourly employee was scheduled to work, they are being compensated for those hours. Um, we did have many wonderful volunteers, amazing volunteers, who worked uh, during the fire closure and made sure that the shelter was in operation. But there were some individuals who didn't have a choice. Um, we had to have facility staff um, on site. We had to have college police on site. We had to have some uh, IT staff come in to uh, uh, work on the fact that our Internet was down and to restore it. And so those folks who were pressed into service and given a schedule told when to be here and when they could leave will be compensated, will receive additional compensation in their November paychecks for the, the work that they performed during those closure weeks. Finally, I just wanted to report that our goal had been to have the audit reports to present to you tonight. We missed that goal as a result of the loss of the two weeks for the fire closure. So we will be bringing those audit reports. We're finalizing them with the auditors right now and bringing them to you at the December board meeting. And I'll be working with the members of the audit committee to look at scheduling a meeting the week of December 4th to review them prior to bringing them to the full board at the December 14th meeting. For institutional technology, I think you've heard it a number of times tonight, but we did lose connectivity during the fire closure. Our main source of connection to the outside world was impacted by the fire. We did work, the IT staff did work during that fire closure to establish a redundant system, and we now have redundancy so that if it should happen again for whatever reason, we do have another source so that we can get connected back to the world again. And the technology plan, speaking of December meeting, the technology committee expects to bring the technology plan to you at the December board meeting. And finally, there's an item that I wanted to call your attention to tonight that we hope to discuss further at the December board meeting. That's the fact that our Series 2007C bonds are now callable. And we've worked with a few um, a bond issuers on the potential savings if we were to call those bonds. And it looks like, based on current interest rates, that we could potentially save the taxpayers about $9 million um, over the course of the bonds. Now, the reason that it, we had a little bit of a scare this week in that there's a piece in the current tax reform legislation which says that if you issue new bonds to call existing bonds, that the new bonds would not be tax-exempt. And that would basically make it impossible to, to sell those bonds. However, we learned today that it only impacts advance uh, refinancing of bonds. These bonds actually became callable in August, and so it would not be considered an advance refinancing, and so we do not have to 
rushed to get them sold by December 31st, but it's a good thing to do, and, and uh, it, it makes sense to move forward with it. Now, just to be clear, the refinancing would save taxpayers dollars. It doesn't result in any additional cost to the district, nor does it result in any additional revenue to the district. It is just selling new bonds to retire the old bonds at a significant savings to the taxpayers. It will require a board resolution to authorize the refinancing. And so this is something that we do want to talk to the audit committee about, the options that we have, and then hopefully bring that back to the full board at the December board meeting. Thank you, Bob. Any questions? I just wanted to say I really appreciate having the written reports. Well, you're welcome. Um, we are done. We're done. No, we're not. We're not done. <laughs> yeah. So, on to uh, approval of minutes. 10.1 minutes of July 13, 17 regular meeting. I just wanted to make one addition. Those minutes. Item 12.3, the Napa Broadcasting Contract. So they list a bunch of topics that were discussed during the discussion, and I just wanted to add one because it was the main reason why I voted or I moved to be separate. So I'd like to add it in. And um, so among the list of topics that were covered, I just wanted to add that we also discussed um, Napa Broadcasting's involvement in local elections, including trustee elections. So I was concerned about that since we're a public institution. So I'd just like to add that in, please. Um, we discussed it, and yes, I did talk about it, gave examples, and it's my basis for my, unless you want to add it to my motion, but that wasn't my motion. It led the basis for my motion. I wouldn't want to do that without knowing exactly, having somebody look at the, listen to the recording, and, uh, and I don't even necessarily think that it's, Relevant to minutes. I mean, I think that the well, a bunch of topics are mentioned: space, size, market value, uh, broadcast topic, topics not related. I didn't okay. interrupt you. Um, so I I think that it's I think that the primary topics and the detail of the actions I think are enough. I think that um, you know to put explanations for how, why everybody voted the way they voted. I just don't see it necessary. I was the only one that made a motion not to approve the contract, and so I think that my main concern should be expressed in the minutes as a basis for my motion. Again, I think we're, we're getting away from the recording of actions only in the minutes. Um, so I, I'm not really in favor of adding anything. I mean, if you're making a motion to do that... Uh, Okay, I'll make a motion. Go ahead and okay, because I, I understand what you're saying about not recording discussion, but the fact is we did. So to leave it out when it was a major point of discussion, I think, then it doesn't reflect the conversation. So, yeah, I move to add into the minutes, quote, and Napa Broadcasting's involvement in local elections, including trustee elections, unquote. 
Is there a second? There'll be no second. That motion dies. There a motion to approve the minutes as presented? Move for approval. Can we? Do we want to go through ten point one, ten point two, or can I? Wanted to add something to the minutes from July thirteenth. Um, okay, go go ahead. Let's. Under reports, I also attended the police academy graduation. I wanted to add that in. I'll amend my motion to add that minutes move for approval. I was asking if we can, can we approve them in a block, or do we well, want to need a? I don't know if others there are any changes or corrections that need to be made to any of the rest of the minutes. Um, changes or corrections? <laughs> the, I mean, do the other minutes? No, I don't have any. They're they're already in there. Yeah. Okay. If you want to change that, it sounds like nobody else has changes to the other minutes that were. So go ahead and, and amend your motion, and maybe we can take the entire. For approval of the minutes with the addition of Student uh, Trustee Manbeer and his attendance to the Police Academy graduation in the July minutes. Okay, I understood you were going to. Make a motion to approve all the minutes. Approve all of them, sorry. I think we should take them one at a time. It doesn't take very long. I don't think that's good practice to lump them together. I second. Any further discussion? We're seconding the approval of the minutes. Yes, Solomon. What did he say? Okay, we have a first and a second. Is there any further discussion? I call the question. Do we have the electronic voting? Okay, all in favor? Minutes, no. Aye. 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 Michael, did you vote? Yes, aye. Thank you. No, because I didn't get my change, so I said I vote no. Okay, thank you. That takes care of all of our minutes. We're really moving fast now. Um, 11 information discussion items, campus housing. Hi, thank you. Um, this is simply an update. I think Bob is going to provide um, a, bit of, a bit of correct information. Yes, yeah, so um, uh, just to let you know that we have engaged uh, uh, outside counsel, uh, Sean Absher, who is with the law firm Stradling in um, San Francisco, uh, will be working with us as we enter into negotiations with, uh, he will be representing the district as we enter into negotiations with Alphabeti for the uh, campus housing project. And we expect to bring something back to the board at the December meeting. Is that something... That's something you'd be a contract. That's right. I apologize. Yes. Good catch. Yeah, I I just, um, I don't know if maybe this is going to happen at the December meeting, but I think that before the board approves a contract that 
We've seen a presentation from Balfour Beatty, but I think what we need is a presentation from either Dr. Kraft or his staff just to go over the process that was used to choose them and specifically to answer those questions about, you know, did the best qualified firms submit proposals? Were those proposals, um, how did Balfour Beatty get chosen over the other applicants? Why are they the best qualified? And and how, why do you think they'll provide the best overall value for the user? So those are questions that the board is supposed to, to be able to answer or to know about before we approve a contract. So was that going to, something like that going to happen at the December meeting or? My, I guess my general reflection on that is that we, we covered that territory uh, a couple of months ago when we went through the process and the matrix and the rubric and what, why they were chosen. I think you will have an opportunity, though, when the actual contract comes in to ask pointed questions that could probably will certainly get at their their expertise, their ability, et cetera. I guess I'm not questioning their expertise. I'm questioning, you know, like in the board's, over, you know, responsibility in terms of the competitive negotiation process and oversight over that, how, why they were more qualified than the other applicants and why we feel that they would provide the best overall value to the user. I don't feel like we've ever heard anything like that. Maybe I missed something. You're talking about a matrix. Did we, where did we receive a matrix where they were compared side by side? Yeah, we talked about the, the process of the, of the interviewing and also how they were chosen and the matrix that we used to compare the firms and, and the process and interviews. I don't know if you re- is there a written document online was, was somewhere? That, um, that was in the presentation we it, saw, wasn't it? It was. And then the, and we went through the um, a, like a three-step process of that, including the, kind of a stop on the way with the subcommittee. Does that re- ring a bell for you? Where would I find this matrix? Where would I find that? Is that online? Matrix. I don't know whether, Bob, whether we... Did we present that that evening? Do you we know? did not. Yeah, we just that talked, that we talked about, we talked it, about it, but sure. we did not present that. Could that be true. presented at the December meeting when I, we make yeah. our decision about whether to move forward? It's, this is obviously a big decision, and I just want to make sure that we do our due diligence as far as the process. And, again, knowing do you guys, do you all feel that the best qualified applicants came forward, and among them, why were they chosen over the others? So, yeah, if we could see that at the December meeting, that would be great, the matrix. Question to Dr. Kraft and Mr. Parker. What's going to be included in that contract? So that really is part of the negotiation process. The the uh, company selected Balfour Beatty um, has a wide array of services. Could do everything from start to finish. The question is, will we be using them for all of those services? We don't have to. We can uh, use other firms for other pieces of the of the process, and so that's really what uh, what those uh, the negotiation process will will uh, bring out. Actually, that brought up another question. I wanted to do a follow up. If I had suggestions regarding amenities or things that would go into student housing, is that right now or no. December? Um, that would even wouldn't even be in December. Down the line, um, when the architects are starting to work on specific plans that all the constituencies at that point. This is assuming that the feasibility rolls forward, there's there's adequate need, desire for those. Then we start getting into more specific amenities. So it's way down the line. So, for example, if we wanted a pool, 
would that be in the contract now or no? No, it would not. And for the record, I spoke to students, and it was a no. A no on the Because pool. it was a, <laughs> we have a pool here, and there's the in-shape gym that's across the street. Yeah. So if we could have a deal with them, a cheaper membership, because that one's a fortune to cost, compared to other in-shapes, that would be better possible. And that kind of input would be so welcome and, and refreshing as we move, move through the process. But it's, it's months from now, maybe many months from now. Thank you. Amy. Um, the other question I had, I, in the article that was written in the paper about the housing, um, I was glad to see that they mentioned that the, the market study or the feasibility study would be done by a separate firm. And I know the board had indicated they wanted independence between people doing the planning and people doing the actual project, but I never really got confirmed, so I just wanted to say, is that accurate statement that was in the paper? That is certainly part of the negotiation process as well. So who could Balfour Beatty uh, provide those services? They wouldn't provide them themselves. They'd be contracting with a, a third party to provide those services. But who enters into that contract for those services, that would be, and who makes that selection, that would be part of the negotiation process as well. So when you come back in uh, December with the contract, um, will part of the presentation really review this whole process and how those decisions were made? Yes, it will. I just want to comment how excited I am that we're moving forward slowly in my view, but just because I'm excited to provide student affordable housing on campus and I want to thank your due diligence, Mr. Parker and Dr. Kraft and the rest of the staff that's been involved and I'm confident in your guys' decisions. One more question. In December, will you have the contract finished? Are you going to present it to us or what's the timeline on that? So what would be uh, uh, presented in December would be really phase one of the contract which is really that covering that feasibility study and then what are the next steps following that feasibility study. So the contract will be done by the December meeting? We expect to, yes. I mean, there are, uh, there are examples in place. That's why we are engaging the services of the outside council who has uh, a great deal of experience in these, these types of contracts and contract negotiations. Thank you. Like your eagerness, man. Thank you. Uh, on to eleven point two. I was taken off the agenda. It was. It was. It was paused. It was removed. Oh, well, it's still on my screen. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Twelve consent calendar. Any matters that? I just want to take off twelve point three. Twelve point three. Anyone else? Okay. And with the exception of 12.3, the consent calendar is adopted by consensus. We're going to 12.3. Yeah, I, let me I move that. Oh. Yes, well, give me a moment to let me move it down, then we'll have the numbers that come after that, correct? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Sorry, we're trying to go fast. Thank you. Okay. 
action items, 13.1, ratify financial documents. Amy? I sent an email, but I haven't had a chance to go back in. Um, so I just had a question about the PG&E, if something happened because it was so much higher. And... Yes, something did happen, but but it, it's because the um, the previous month was so much lower, and what you're seeing here is the transition from purchasing power directly from PG&E to purchasing power from Marin, Marin Clean Energy. And so in that transition, what you see on this bill are two months of energy from Marin Clean Energy. So it was a catch-up period. I got scared because we're not in the winter yet, and this is pre-fire. So, <laughs> okay, thank you. Your motion to approve? So move. Second. Okay. Further discussion? Electronic voting or no, Cynthia? We do? Okay. I can put you in if you like. Thank you. I, I didn't see the vote either. I didn't see it on mine. Aye. It's approved unanimously. Thank you. 13.2, Institutional Strategic Plan. I uh, just want to point out here that these um, strategic plan and budget values have gone through the shared governance process and through planning and budgeting committees and now actually reflect some of the comments or suggestions that board members had when these first came to us. Um, I think Michael and Kyle had uh, made some specific suggestions, and, and those things have been incorporated. Robin, Robin, while you're working your way up there, I wanted to, I forgot in my presence report, to thank you for the excellent research on veterans that, you, that your office prepared. It's really well done. We were able to use it tonight, so thank you. Looked a little strange there for a minute. So, uh, yes, uh, Dr. Robin Warnell and I are here to present to the, you the um, proposed institutional strategic plan, and it has gone through the shared governance process here at the college, and it actually started back uh, last year at the planning committee, and what you see here are the people, the members of the planning committee, and Dr. Warnell was the district co-chair of that committee. So last year we had a planning committee and we had a separate budget committee. When we started this uh, academic year, this is a pilot program that was first suggested by the Academic Senate and approved by the Council of Presidents, we have a combined planning and budget committee and these are the members of that committee. I serve as the district co-chair. Maria Biddenbach, who wanted to be here tonight but unfortunately was called uh, out of town on a family matter, is the faculty co-chair of that committee. And so this process started last year under the planning committee, and Robin is here to uh, give us some information about that process and how that worked. Good evening, board. Um, as Bob mentioned, um, the planning committee be began the process of revising the institutional strategic plan last spring, and as one of the first steps in that, um, the committee identified some general objectives to guide the development of the future plan, and that's what you see on the slide here. 
So first, uh, the duration of the plan, it's to last three years, spanning 2018 to 2021. And part of the reason for that is that it aligns well with accreditation and specifically our uh, next comprehensive site visit, which was, will be in 2022. Uh, we wanted to limit the number of goals on the revised plan uh, with the hopes of creating a more focused plan. Um, you might recall that our current strategic plan has 22 objectives, which um, is a bit <laughs> much uh, in terms of trying to achieve something in a matter of just a few years. And then it also uh, tends to mean that we're all um, working toward disparate ends rather than uh, together. So uh, the limited number of goals was meant to help address that, but then also um, focus on a realistic number of what could actually be accomplished within the three-year period. The Institutional Strategic Plan will provide just the general direction for the college, and part of that is meant to encourage innovation within that structure. Um, so um, encouraging uh, programs and services across the institution to develop new initiatives, and that really represents a continuation of the ongoing refinement of our approach to planning, and specifically some of the improvements that were implemented last year, and particularly the distinction between uh, new initiatives, and ongoing operational needs. Uh, next, the plan defines the priorities for the three-year period. So you might recall that uh, those, who, who, those of you who have been on the board for a number of years might recall that every year we establish an, annual planning priorities that are drawn from the master document of the 22 objectives. And uh, so what we are going to do with this new plan is we will not have to approve annual priorities every year. The um, streamlined approach uh, this is that the three-year plan and the goals within it will represent the annual planning priorities for that three-year period. Um, this is really intended to yield more engaged and methodical planning across the institution um, and specifically by allowing more time for initiatives to be implemented. It also happens to align with uh, something that was introduced by the Budget Committee in Bob's operation last year, which is the three-year budget structure. And so that uh, helps align and integrate uh, institutional planning and budgeting on that level as well. And finally, uh, we wanted to focus on student success, student achievement, student learning, and accomplishment of mission. So with those intentions, the planning committee asked the Instruction Council, the Student Affairs Council, the Academic Senate, and President's Cabinet for initial ideas regarding the strategic goals. And the planning committee then reviewed uh, and combined that input uh, to form the tentative draft, which was distributed to the campus community in May. And that's what you have on this slide here. So uh, the three uh, goals that were included in the tentative draft were to equip students with the skills and resources needed to succeed at the college level, engage students as they pursue their educational goals, and increase student success, student learning, and, and educational goal attainment. And these uh, three on the tentative draft really will uh, reflect uh, Napa Valley College's uh, strategic enrollment management plan from several years ago, or there are three um, steps along the student uh, continuum, represented by pre-enrollment, followed by initial enrollment and success, and then finally ongoing retention and persistence to goal attainment. So that's reflective of our former SEM plan. Um, so in May, the tentative draft was distributed to the campus community via email, and also I attended some uh, meetings on campus to gather input, and specifically from the Council of Presidents and the Board of Trustees in May. 
And so this slide um, provides just a summary of um, the input that was collected at that time. <clears throat> so you'll see that there uh, was an interest in um, including more direct reference to our CTE program, so um, talking about training rather than just educational goals, which might seem to focus on uh, transfer. Um, then the board asked for more context for the plan, and then also you'll see for the Board of Trustees um, some of the wording that was suggested was to cover um, topics of access, fiscal stability, and the relationship of the college to the community. <clears throat> so over the summer and into the fall, I provided some additional context for the three statements included in the tentative draft of the plan. And uh, that context uh, was compiled from two external sources, which I would consider among the go-tos for getting the lay of the land in terms of California community colleges and what's going on. Um, and that is the Chancellor's Office and the RP group, the Research and Planning Group for California Community Colleges. And um, so you might be aware that uh, last year the Chancellor's Office was engaged in um, drafting a vision for success. And so that was one of the documents that I looked at. And then for the RP group, um, it was their success factors framework, which they uh, rolled out a couple of years ago. So uh, the next two slides outline the alignment between MVC's strategic initiatives as of the tentative draft uh, last spring and then those two external documents. So first this one um, shows the alignment between the seven core commitments for the Chancellor's Office vision, of success, vision for success and our um, initial three goals, which were equip, engage, and then student achievement. So those are listed uh, in the first column of the table. In the second column, there are the seven uh, core commitments for the Chancellor's Office, and I'll just read through those, and you can see how they um, align with our three initial goals, which were, um, so in terms of equipping students, uh, it was pair high expectations with high support, lead the support of, part, lead the, sorry, lead the work of partnering across systems, and then in terms of engaging students during their uh, tenure here, uh, design and decide with the student in mind, enable, enable action and thoughtful innovation. And then in terms of outcomes and institutional effectiveness uh, measures, focus relentlessly on students' end goals and take ownership of goals and performance. And the seventh uh, core commitment, which kind of underlies all of um, the ones above, is to foster the use of data inquiry and evidence. Um, so, again, this uh, you can see how the core commitments for the Chancellor's Office vision uh, are reflective of those uh, three steps along the student continuum of equipping, engaging, and achievement, or get them in, get them through, and get them out. <laughs> put it more um, so then, uh, no disrespect or anything. Um, so then uh, the third column of this table um, includes some associated measures which are included in the vision of success for the Chancellor's Office, and uh, the Chancellor's Office intends to track these across the system um, between now and the, the goal year is uh, 2022. Um, so you can see that uh, for at least the engaging students while they're here, uh, there are a number of measures associated, including reducing the time to completion, uh, decreasing the average number of units that are accumulated, and um, get more students to enroll continuously rather than stopping out. Uh, and then for the um, institutional effectiveness and outcomes uh, student achievement measures, um, they're increasing degrees in the number of recipients, uh, increasing transfer. And then uh, you can see that there is a measure um, that would address the, CT the concern about CTE programs um, and incorporating that more explicitly as a goal, um, that there is a CTE-related uh, goal uh, from the Chancellor's Office vision 
Um, so then, similarly, the table uh, here outlines the, stu the success factors framework from the RP group um, and aligns that with uh, our first three objectives from the tentative uh, draft of the strategic plan. And uh, what the RP group has done is compiled research that demonstrates that students are more likely to succeed when they are directed, fo focused, nurtured, engaged, connected, and valued. And those uh, six um, descriptors, I guess, align well with um, the equipping students to succeed at the college level and then engaging them uh, while they're here. So um, I do think that the three, this, these two tables were designed to, again, provide additional context. And I think that they show that the three objectives in our tentative draft align well with the external organizations and their strategic directions. I will turn it back to Bob. Okay, thanks, Robin. And so what you see here is just a timeline, just to recap the things that happened uh, previously under the uh, planning committee and then the actions that have been taken this fall by the planning and budget committee. So that draft strategic plan was approved by the planning committee in May. It was presented to you in draft form on May 11th, and you provided feedback on those strategic initiatives. Robin's shop, the Research Planning and Institutional Effectiveness Office, incorporated both your feedback and campus feedback into a new draft. The Planning and Budget Committee reviewed the new draft on September 22nd and established a work group to finalize the draft language. That draft language was presented and to the Planning and Budget Committee and approved by that committee on October 27th. We held a campus forum to present the strategic plan to the campus community on October 31st. One thing that's missing from this timeline is something that just happened on Tuesday of this week, and that is that the Planning and Budget Committee met again to review the feedback that came from the campus forum that was held on the 31st. It did not recommend any changes at that time based on the feedback from the campus community, and so ratified the uh, strategic plan and those strategic initiatives that were presented at the campus forum. And so now we bring it to you tonight, um, presented it to the president, and we're presenting it on the president's behalf um, to you at tonight's meeting. So the current strategic plan includes five strategic initiatives, and we're going to look at each of them individually. And so the first three, as Robin mentions, the first three are really a variation of the three that were presented to you in May. The first one focuses on incoming students. So working with local educational partners to promote opportunities at Napa Valley College and to equip incoming students with the skills and resources needed for college success. So what we do to ensure that our incoming students are prepared and ready to be successful. The second one focuses on students while they're here, and so engage NVC students and assist in their progress toward their educational and job training goals. So supporting the students after they come to the college and while they are pursuing their educational goals here at Napa Valley College. The third initiative is helping students 
achieve that goal and move on to careers or further education. So increase Napa Valley College student achievement and completion of educational and job training goals. So those first three focus specifically on students and ensuring that our students are successful. The next two, number four, is focusing on fiscal stability. And we say ensure the fiscal stability of Napa Valley College as it transitions to being a community-supported district. And there are changes as a result of us being community-supported in the way that we look at our budget, in the way that we plan our expenditures, and uh, quite frankly, how we do business. And so it changes our cash flows. It uh, changes the way that we look at other sources of revenue from the state, because while we don't receive state apportionment anymore, we do still receive things like reimbursements for uh, mandated costs, uh, student success and support program money, student equity money, things of that nature. And so looking at how all of those things fit together in the community-supported environment, a little different from the environment that we've operated in for many years. So focusing on fiscal stability. And then the last is engagement with our community and enhance the collaboration between Napa Valley College and community and civic partners. So beyond our role as uh, a, a primary source of secondary education, in Napa Valley, there are other ways that we engage and work with our community. And I, I'll give uh, Eric Shearer credit for this one at the campus uh, forum. He spoke to the fact that we became an evacuation shelter during the fire as a prime example of how we need to be uh, 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 active and um, supporting members of our campus community. So those are the five strategic initiatives that make up the strategic plan that was approved by the Planning and Budget Committee and is presented to you tonight for your approval. I have three questions, sir. Uh, number one, I heard earlier this evening about uh, our Vice President Instruction, Interim Vice President Instruction, sure about having a support group, if you will. Do you have one? Uh, similar as far as community-supported districts that you could draw from as far as information? Or, or yes, we actually do. I mean, we have a very close neighbor, College of Marin, that is a community-supported district. But uh, we were fortunate in that the uh, one of the members of our visiting team from uh, uh, for our accreditation revisit was the chief business officer from Miracosta College, which is also a community-supported district and so uh, is a great source of information regarding what it means to be a community-supported district. But there actually is, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend the Association of Chief Business Officers conference that was held this October, but there actually is, in effect, a support group for uh, community-supported uh, colleges that exists uh, here in the state. My second question, in, in that same vein, does the recent uh, fires, is that going to delay the transition to community storage with the potential impact to assess the property values? 
we don't know the impact at this point. We don't believe, looking at uh, the amount of uh, property tax revenue over and above what would be our base revenue from the state, looking at what the projection was for this year, it's unlikely that the uh, potential decrease in property tax revenue as a result of the fires will put us back below that level and into uh, being a, an apportionment uh, district again. Um, we're watching that closely, but there is nothing that I've seen so far that would indicate that we will slip back into being an apportionment district. I go with my third question, also related to committee supported. How does AB 19 fit into that? Well, so we're all watching uh, what the governor's budget proposal will be in January because the governor was a great supporter of AB 19, and so we're expecting that there will be some dollars in the budget to support AB 19, uh, and what share we might have in that budget. We do still receive, as I say, we do still receive support from the state. It's not apportionment support, but we do still receive other sources of revenue from the state, and we would anticipate that we would receive some of the AB19 funding to support a College Promise initiative here at Napa Valley College. We're really waiting to see what uh, the governor proposes in January. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Anybody else? Amy? Um, first, I really like that you narrow down the goals. I think that was smart, so you could really focus in and develop them. Um, but I don't know if we can go back to the matrix where we have the goals that I, I, because they're so focused in, I guess I was concerned that they're not fully developed. One of them didn't have any measures, and I was just wondering why there were no measures for one of the goals. So part of... When I'm talking about it, it's on the matrix. And, oh, the, I'm sorry. And it had the goals, and then it had how you were going to measure the goals, and there was one goal that there were no measures listed, and it seems like... Okay, so, we should have a way of measuring all so, of the goals. Point of clarification: This is a, these are actually not our measurable objectives. This is all um, from the chancellor's office office's vision for success. So the first column is us; the other two are them. So that's what once we have once we have the uh, strategic plan approved by you all, then one of the next steps is certainly to develop the more specific measurable objectives for us and our plan. Because I know, um, like in the past, there's, it's always been that the measurable goals will be out at the unit level. But typically, I mean, at least the schools I've worked at, they're the, the overarching goals and kind of institute. This is an institutional plan and kind of overarching goals that kind of cross all the, the units and how you're going to measure those versus the unit level goals and how you're going to measure those goals and. So since this is the institutional plan, and I, for some reason I couldn't open the actual document. I don't know if anybody else had a problem, but I can only base it on what's right here. But it, it seems like for every, I guess for every one, there should be measures. I guess that's just what's throwing me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so this is, so the Chancellor's Office ones um, align well with uh, the second and third ones here, and then the RP group ones aligned well with the uh, first and second um, initiatives or objectives. But um, these are these are from those external. I mean, these aren't measurable objectives, obviously. But all of this 
with the exception of the first column, is from those external documents. And again, the next step for us internally, and yes, at the institutional level, will be to develop those measurable objectives that would go along with it. So is it the same thing with this box, that those success factors came from the chancellor's? RP group. This is RP group. This is chancellor's office. Okay. So for that one, because that was my second question, the next page, that there are no success factors for student achievement, I guess. Right. So it's, it's really aligned with, again, the documents of those two external uh, organizations and that the uh, RP group is tending to focus on, it. again, these are uh, the descriptors or the type of environment that we need to provide for students in order to ensure that they continue um, toward their educational goal and eventually attain it. So they focus on the first two steps, right, get them directed to where they need to be, a la, um, you know, educational master, uh, educational uh, uh, ed plans online and, um, that, and SSSP. So that's where um, that comes from. And then they're more likely to continue coming back if they feel nurtured, engaged, connected, and valued. So that's what um, the perspective that the RP group provides. And then the chancellor's office is not necessarily, at least for the vision for success, they're, they're more about the engagement piece and then the institutional effectiveness piece in terms of the outcomes of goal attainment. So in the, the actual documents, like I said, I couldn't pull it up for some reason, it, are there kind of institutional level, I mean, we actually we see them, those kind of strategic, the strategy actually last page, I forget what you call them, initiatives, or those are, do they cross the institution? So in that document, are there listed kind of specific institutional level goals and how they would be measured? Well, so the next step in this process as we develop, as we use these uh, strategic initiatives that are the strategic plan to uh, develop the resource allocation process, so in the planning and budget development process, the template that the units will use and that will be reviewed by the area councils and that will ultimately come up to the president's cabinet for review. Part of that template is to link your initiative, your individual initiative for your unit or for the area as a whole to one of these five strategic initiatives and to identify what the outcomes you ex- what outcomes you expect from whatever it is that you're going to do to support one of these five initiatives and how those outcomes will be measured to determine whether or not what you're planning to do to support that initiative will actually result in an improvement and increase in completions, uh, better services to incoming students, better support for students while they are here. So it's up to the individual units and then more importantly the area councils to identify what success means um, in terms of linking to one of those five strategic initiatives. All the measurable goals are at the unit level. Well, they start at the unit level, but they roll up to the area council level. So, you know, for example, in uh, the Office of Instruction, you know, there are individual units, and units may work together and hopefully will work together. Um, But then it's up to the area councils if there are three units, and I'll pick on Eric because he probably has the most units, but... um, 
if there are three or four units that all have the same, all linked to the same goal and all have a similar um, initiative in mind, then it's up to the area council to do that combination, pull them all together, and have them work together to achieve that goal. And my last question, I didn't know if it was a mistake, but I saw the workflow and the president's not on there, and so I guess I was confused about that because doesn't the president approve the institutional plan? Yes. Um, you probably heard um, the vice president allude to it. it. It goes through this process, goes to cabinet, um, cabinet discusses it, they then recommend to me, I recommend to you through the vice president tonight. If I had not recommended or forwarded, we wouldn't be seeing these I have a quick question. Yes. I'm not sure if this is for you or for Robin. But, it's probably for Robin. Um, <laughs> but on, on the five strategic initiatives, number three, uh, where it talks about completion of educational and job training goals, will there be um, a specific placement um, achievement that, you know, especially with our CTE programs, we were talking about this in our uh, Workforce Development Board Executive Committee meeting about tracking that, that whole cycle because, you know, somebody may come to us, come to the college from the workforce, you know, from workforce development, and so when they come here, it's tracking them through that whole cycle. Is that part of this plan um, as far as how we're going to measure that achievement? Well, certainly we would look to the units, and um, I see Diana took off, but um, we would (laughs) just really, come on, somebody call her back. So we would look to the units to identify how they are going to measure success at achieving that goal. I would have to believe that that would be one of the ways that the CTE programs would be looking to measure their achievement of that goal. Uh, Chime in. I, I'm, well, the, the immediate um, measures that we tend to look at among California community colleges as a first um, pass would be uh, the Perkins 4 data, where um, which looks at recent graduates and then the, um, the employment rate among those um, graduates. The other piece of information is from the uh, so-called CTE uh, outcomes survey or the CTE lever survey that uh, Santa Rosa Junior College coordinates for the um, system or all the campuses within the system. And that then um, reports um, based on student responses um, whether they are employed in a field that's associated with their area of training. And so those are the two go-to that are at our fingertips right now uh, measures. I think that in terms of the um, larger schematic of flow um, in and out of the workforce or coming back for retraining, I would see that as being more of a, a distant measure than one of the immediate ones for within this three-year period, but it's certainly something we could look into in terms of um, data and tracking. Well, we would focus just from the exit of a program here, you know, just let's say the SciTech program, and knowing that, you know, how many people end up in that related field and those percentages. And so my question is more, will we have a goal, a specific goal for that 
um, or do we measure it more post, is more of a post-graduation kind of measurement? Um, yes, yeah, so it, what, what will happen from here is there will be kind of a dialogue between the area councils and, um, and I will help coordinate that. Um, so that let, let's say that they, um, let's say that the CTE area wants to focus on not on um, the employment piece, but on you know, something else. Then, if they if their local plans are not geared toward that measure, then it's not a, we aren't going to move the needle of right unless they're um, all focused on the same measure. So it'll be kind of a dialogue back and forth till we get okay. Are the plans aligned to help move the needle on retention or whatever the measure is? And that's one of the, um, I think, woes of planning um, at the institutional level in the past is that we might have measurable objectives stated, but if everyone else is doing something that's not directed to those measures, then they don't move, and no wonder. Thank you. Does any other trustee have a question for move approval and beer? Hi, thank you for the presentation. <clears throat> I have a question on the first one. What specifically are the skills resources that you would provide for incoming students. Eric, would you like to respond to that? Uh, Eric is a member of the Planning and Budget Committee and worked on uh, uh, developing these goals. Yes, yeah, so when, we're, when we're talking about skills in this, in this context and equipping incoming students with skills, so um, this is really looking at the transfer, or pardon me, the college level preparedness of students as they enter into the college. Um, so, you know, we, we know that our, our data is that 80 to 90 percent of our students don't test into college level. So when we're talking about skills here, we're really talking about those basic remedial skills that allow a student to enter into Navabella College at college level or closer to college level um, to reduce the remediation time. So those would be, those would be specific skills that we'd be looking at um, on that front. On the resources side, that's where Oscars, where, where Oscars, programs would, would take, uh, take hold of students and help actually get them moving from the high school into the college um, through student support programs, uh, financial aid programs, and things like that. One follow-up. If students aren't testing into transfer-level courses, isn't that more of a high school problem? Is that being addressed? That is being addressed. And it's not just a high school problem, it's all of our problems. And so that's part of part of the partnerships that we're in the uh, that we're in the process of developing uh, with the instructional areas and our local high schools. We have our English and math faculty. They'll be collaborating this year. We have new measures in place. We also have new opportunities for providing remedial instruction through the high school from the college uh, through uh, specific partnerships and dual enrollment. And so there's a lot of opportunities out there for us to work directly with the high school. Sorry for the bluntness. That was uh, misspoken. <laughs> Maybe I don't understand what units are. I, are. Are units departments like language art, like language arts, math, or cause I'm starting to get the impression maybe instruction is a unit, and so that's why I'm trying to get at this idea of like all students need to know how to write. So where are those kind of institution-wide measurable goals, and, and these are exactly what we're going to do as a whole college to help students get there. And so it, does that happen? Where does that happen if it's not in this document? I mean, I would say, and I'll ask Eric to chime in, what uh, the way this whole process works is that their individual units 
In my area, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we've got facilities, we've got institutional technology, we've got the business and finance office. Um, in uh, the area of instruction, there are disciplines within a division that would then roll up to the instructional council. And so when we talk about units, unit is the, let's say, lowest level so a unit might be the, um, the ESL program. It might be uh, English. It might be um, trying to think of somebody else in LADS. Um, and then it, it, the speech, thank you. And then it rolls up to a division chair who then looks at all of those unit plans that are within a similar area. And then it rolls up to uh, the Office of Instruction or the Instruction Council, and Instruction Council has representatives from all of those divisions. And so that's where those discussions about how everything works together uh, would be taking place. Um, I'm just going to get a last comment and then I'm done. I guess I, just, I guess I have a concern about just the process that at the lowest level, if they all kind of agree, then that becomes an institutional goal, with a measurable goal with action steps. Like, where's the vision that we as an institution are working on these things to achieve these goals? So I would say that the, as we kick yeah. off the process, as we kick off the process, it really is starting at the higher level, going down to the lower level, and then coming back up to the higher level. And Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, I'll use instruction as an example. But as we look at starting the process for developing the plans and the budgets for the 18-19 year, it starts with an instruction council meeting, talking about what the overall goals are in the area of instruction for the institution. Then it goes down to the unit level where those individual uh, unit plans are developed, and then they all roll back up to the division level and then the instruction uh, instruction council level. Okay, I think we had a, a motion to approve. Second. Okay, uh, can we call the question? 13.2 passed unanimously. Thank you. 13.3, Bob, are you still on? I think I am still on, yes. So uh, this is really the second part of the planning and budget process, and this is identification of the budget values and assumptions that will drive the budget development process from a budget standpoint for the 18-19 fiscal year. And what we're presenting to you tonight, and I apologize, I'm not sure how to get it up on the screen, but... What we're presenting to you tonight is very similar to what you've seen in past years for these um, uh, budget development values and assumptions. Really just two changes, thank you, that um, in the third paragraph there, second paragraph under fiscal stability, we have added language where it says the 2018-2019 budget includes all sources and uses of funds. And so the focus of the budget planning process is not just the general fund unrestricted budget, but really looks at all sources of funds, grant funds, categorical funds, everything 
that makes up the overall district budget. The other change from last year is the paragraph that has to do with the maintenance of a reserve. And the change is that uh, last year we said we were going to strive to achieve a 12% reserve. We are actually projecting at this point that the reserve at the end of the 18-19 fiscal year will remain at 13%. I think I lost it. But um, so that we've achieved that 12% goal and have actually exceeded that 12% goal. I have a question about that. Um, I think in one of your, one of the, uh, or maybe all of the uh, budget presentations, you were talking about kind of the projection out. Um, at one point, it, that was going to dip down again because basically expenses would increase but the reserve would remain the same. Is that beyond the 18, 19? It, it never dips below 13% in that three-year period. It does. It started out at 14%, and so it dips down to 13%, and that's because in that three-year period we're looking at maintaining the same dollar amount of reserve, but because expenditures are increasing, the percentage of expenditures goes down. If you remember what, what we had talked about in looking at, because we've established uh, as a long-term six-year goal a 15% reserve. And in, over the next three to four years, we're looking at salary, funding salary increases to bring our faculty and staff up uh, to a more equitable level compared to other community colleges. At the end of four years, we expect to have achieved that. And so as revenues increase and salaries start to stabilize, we'll see that the um, ending balance reserve will start to increase at that point. And so we are still looking at that long-term goal as being 15%. Other questions? Move approval. Second. Call the question. Sorry, um, Trustee Martinson. Oh, it hasn't come up. I can put your vote in. Yes. Uh, so thirteen point three passed unanimously. Okay. Um, now thirteen point four Board of Trustees vision statement. Move to approve. Second. Any discussion? I do want to make a comment that uh, this is the board's vision statement. It's to provide, help us focus on, you know, things we can do uh, and how we can work to help the college and, and student success and everything else. This is not meant to change or affect college's vision statement that is separate from that. So with that. Um, Chair? Yes. Can we post this on our page, on the Board of Trustee page? After it's approved. <laughs> so with that, if there are no other comments, uh, we'll call the question. 13.5 was approved unanimously. Thank you. 13.5. Resolution declaring termination of local emergency. Okay. 
second. Okay, need to read this record and take a roll call vote. So, this is, we don't have a resolution number, but uh, resolution of the Board of Trustees of Napa Valley Community College District, proclamation of termination of local emergency, whereas a local emergency existed in the Napa Valley Community College District in accordance with the proclamation thereof by the Board of Trustees on the 12th day of October 2017 as a result of the Northern California wildfires, and whereas the situation resulting from said conditions of extreme peril is now deemed to be within the control of the normal protective services, personnel, equipment, and facilities of and within said now, therefore, the Board of Trustees of Napa Valley College, Napa Valley College District, State of California, does hereby proclaim the termination of said local emergency. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Jesse Martinson? Yes. Jesse Iverson? Aye. Jesse Mancuso? Aye. Jesse Baldini? Aye. Uh, Barcherios? Yes. Uh, Trustee Segura? Yes. Trustee Baker? Aye. Trustee Sandu? Yes. Is approved unanimously. Thank you. 13.6 Board Policy Manual, second reading and adoption, new revised or the repealed policy. EP5055, enrollment priorities. Move to approve. Question comment. Is there a second? Second. Any further discussion? Call question. I'm, I'm sorry, I was trying to work on the documents. I can work the first and second. Are we bundling these together since it's one item? Could we? Well, no, yes. It's one item. Why don't we bundle them? Okay. Did anybody have any questions or comments about the other two? Okay. Can we revise the motion? Two. Approve all. Three. Oh. Okay. I move to approve all three policies, uh, 13.6. Second. Call the question. Am I the only one that hasn't gotten it? Yeah, it didn't go through. Uh, 13.6 was approved unanimously. 13.7 letter in support of DACA protection, increasing educational opportunities for students. Approval. Question. Yes. I want to clarify something. Uh, when I was working on this issue with SSCCC, I spoke to the president of ARC, and she didn't like what we were doing. It was in support of DACA, obviously, and she she brought up the issue of. Uh, that this doesn't protect their parents, that this would only protect the students from being deported and not their parents. And I wanted to clarify that this only protects students and not the parents of those students. Right, that's what DACA does. It only applies to students. I just wanted to just correct a typo in the letter and capitalize math. We have English capitalized, but not math. 
move to. I'll amend that uh, yeah. my motion to include the correction. Is there a second? Second. Okay. All question? Thirteen point seven approved unanimously. Thirteen point eight proposition thirteen tax reform commercial property. I'll ask the committee chair. So we had uh, discussed this and voted on bringing something to the board to look at. Um, I did get Trustee Martinson's request. We had a, an actual proposal, but I didn't that until like 4.30 and it wasn't enough time. Um, so we put a statement together that was requested and um, the statement is what's there in front of you. And um, and what I've just passed out is a uh, list of educational institutions that are supporting it throughout the state. And just a, uh, another piece, I, I spoke to uh, somebody at this, uh, Daniel at Evolve, this community organization that is organizing this, and um, he said what they're trying to do is get it on the ballot next year, next November. So that's, um, you know, why they're looking for support, and it's, and it's for this particular reform on Prop 13, not you know, for other parts of the proposition, but this specific proposition and how this will benefit by by um, closing this loophole will benefit schools, period. Um, large amounts of dollars will come back into the educational system. So uh, the statement is there, and that's the statement now. If we wanted to do a resolution, we could come back after we approve that we're in support of this statement. Uh, we could always come back and uh, also do a resolution because they do have a sample resolution that we could adopt. A quick but question. for tonight, we're just wanting to do this, approve the statement. Um, I was just curious. Uh, well, first I wanted to make certain that it's clear that it's not just education that would benefit. It's pretty much all public service that would benefit. Yes. And yes. secondly, I'm just wondering, are, are, are there no other groups in Napa that are considering this? There isn't at this time. Well, darn it. Let's be the first. So I think we need to be the leaders on it. And there's protections for small businesses in the legislation that they're proposing. That's built in. I had this in my legislative committee report um, that I was going to talk about it too, but we did have um, Alex Pater from, he's a field representative from Senator Dodd's office come in, and we did talk about it in our last legislative committee meeting, and it is a political quagmire, one of those big issues, a real political rail. So this is, I mean, this is why we're bringing the statement right now. It kind of clarifies what we need to be doing. 
I support this statement, but I would like to see us actually approve either a letter or a resolution, like something that we're actually going to send uh, out. Because it's great to get our name on the list, but I'd like to see us actually um, adopt a letter or a resolution at maybe the next meeting. Oh, do we have a motion to approve the question regarding this? Uh, if the loophole was closed, how much additional funding would we get? Nine we wouldn't get nine billion. No. No. It, it says it will restore nine billion for schools, community colleges, and other vital community services. So yeah. they it doesn't it doesn't say Napa Valley College. I don't think there's a clear We don't know. Basically yeah. the way it works is it's property tax and so the property tax would be distributed the same way it is now. It'd just be a larger chunk and then each individual group would determine how it's allocated. Amy. Just have a clarifying question. If we approve just this statement, what happens? Do is that enough to send our name to evolve and get on this list, or we have to make that part of the motion? I guess I'm just unclear. Like, what does this mean if we approve this? You could do. You could easily. I guess one suggestion would be to. This is common language, right? But you could change it to whereas the current legislation and end with therefore. The Napa Valley College Board hereby, and you're you're really in a resolution statement. I would and move that. that. I'll move that. Second that. I have a I have a concern, and we just passed a vision statement from this board of trustees that outlines affordable higher education. Commercial real estate, as defined here, says is simply defined as any property owned to produce income. That includes a fourplex in any apartment building above that. So we're raising our students' rent. Any student graduating here that wanted to start a small business, just an incubator business, and buys a piece of property, he falls under that. But just a minute, let me finish. We already have the highest tax income taxes in the United States, according to TurboTax. We are the 49th based on affordability, and that's U.S. News World Report McKinsey. We already have, um, we just raised our gas prices. How do most of our students get here? By gas-powered vehicles. They can't afford the electric power, and we offer free electric. I just don't understand where, where this is going to equate to less expensive or more affordable higher education. That's, that's my disconnect. So I, I find it a little disconcerting that it's so broad in its presentation that this $9 billion, we're going to get X amount, which is going to defer the cost of living for the students attending this college. So I, I you know, it, for our CTE folks, a, a welder that wants to go out and have a little shop, a, a BWT that wants to start a, you know, has a chance. Do they even, even have a chance of starting a business here? It but, doesn't affect but them, it, Michael. But it but commercial property, as defined, incorporates uh, the but car it's commercial wash, the property, so it's going to even the score, basically. So it's commercial. It's not the person who's starting a new business. In fact, they're the ones that have been treated unfairly. It's, it's, the, it's the person next door 
who's been sitting on taxes from 40 years ago. That's, that has a business that's producing income to be a small family that's supporting a small family that whose students are going to So, I, so I, it's, so, but, but that new business or that um, new apartment complex or whatever, that they're benefiting by the, by the fact that uh, the other folks who haven't been paying their fair share are going to now pay their fair share. And as I understand it, what we, were, what we are asking is that it be put on a ballot. Is that correct? So you could vote against it. I want to concur. It's, we're talking, it was passed in 1978, so basically all the people who had businesses in 1978 are paying 1978 real estate taxes versus people who purchase real estate today are paying market rate. So, um, and homeowners frequently People buy and sell homes all the time, so they're also paying market rates. So it's just created a disproportionate burden on homeowners and newer businesses to pick up the slack for the older businesses that have been around pre-1978. And that's all explained in the bigger resolution. So I kind of wish we would have brought that forward because it explains more. But anyway, I move to approve. Do we already have a motion? I think we have a motion and a second. Okay, we should vote. Are we approving the, the statement or with the additions? That, the additions okay. I have lost my connection. Hi. So I want to say thank you because this is unexpected. I didn't think we were going to do a resolution for this, but I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to change board meeting to special meeting because I'm proud of the fact that I've never missed a board meeting in three years that I've been on the board. So I like just to change that. And otherwise, thank you very much for doing that. Do we have a motion with yes, that I should change. move. I move to approve the resolution with the change of board meeting to special meeting. I'll second. Discussion? Yes. Uh, I missed a special meeting. I have not missed a board meeting. I missed a special meeting due to a work issue that came up. And so I think that this has happened, you know, in the past, and um, there was no resolution, or I just missed out. So... Yes, I, and, I'm, and if I may, uh, we had some discussion about trying to fix this issue. Right, moving uh, forward. And what it looks like at, at this point, we can't in the way that I was suggesting and hoping we could do that 
was the suggestion was that we change the policy to say that you make all, because when we all ran for the board, if you read all your materials and said you're expected to make your 12 meetings, we have, we must have close to 24, because <laughs> uh, we have so many special meetings. So the idea was to change it to say, you know, if you make all of your regular meetings, uh, you'll, you'll get your big paycheck. However, the uh, state law says that if you make the language in it says if you make all meetings. So we can't make that change apparently, but I was hoping we could. So we kind of have to go back to this. We can bring one forward. Because I, yeah. I mean, the special meetings are often scheduled at the last minute, and so, yeah, it seems punitive for people yeah, to. Yeah, more, more uh, conflict when, you know, because they're not already on the calendar. We haven't seemed to have them regularly. <laughs> um, so, any other questions or comments? I just think that it, it, if it hasn't been a precedent up to this point, that everybody, you know, that it would be a lot to try to retroactive everybody's missing a Yes, and there's still, you know, there's still a criteria for it. In this case, the, the hardship, as I understood it, is that Trustee Martinson, at, by the time the meeting got scheduled, she had non-refundable tickets and, and travel expenses. So that would have been a, a financial hardship. So uh, it's not exactly a precedent setting if we're still making those findings. And we have done it before. We've done it in other situations. Any others? Yes, it was seconded. Can we call the question? 13.9 past 7-1, opposed by Trustee Mancuso. 13.10. I would just like to thank, thank the board for this resolution. Due to the confusion of that meeting, I would have I would have been there, but it wasn't communicated across to me. I uh, well, there was no school. I wasn't sure if the meeting was going to happen. And, uh, I found out that there was a meeting when Dr. Kraft presented at our ASO meeting. I checked the minutes. I was like, this happened, and uh, I would have I would have been there if I knew. Understandable under the emergency condition. Uh, do we have a motion to approve? So move. Any questions, comments? Call a question. Uh, 13.10 passed unanimously. Thank you. 13.11, the Edwards Communication Services contract. Move to approve. We have a second. Second. Discussion? I had a question. Um, yes. It, it says it's a renewal. What are they doing for us now? Um, in May, you authorized the president to um, contract with a consultant for these services, and this is that that authorization is ended, and this is the renewal of the contract. So this has to do with the um, the bond, correct? The or potential bond, or no? It's um, community and constituency engagement and communication. 
So we're asking for an additional 48,000. To do what exactly? What are, what are they going to do? To do community outreach regarding the bond? Is that that's the idea? Is it, it's to get an understanding of um, what the community and the campus constituencies um, would support or not support in relation to funding facilities improvements. So are they doing the survey of the, they mentioned that there would be a survey of the campus constituencies in mid-November. Are they conducting that survey? That's right. That's an internal survey for the FMP. So this is not, we can't do anything that's directly related to the bond itself. So the feasibility pieces, communication pieces, helping the college um, define and sharpen its message to the community so they better understand so we can better But they're doing the survey. The, so the survey that's referenced in mid-November, they're conducting that survey? Well, are we talking about this? The, I don't know what you mean, conducting. What not the Godby research. This is a different oh, so the Godby did the community public research, but it mentions that there will be a campus survey. Yes, they helped us develop it in the consultation with the council. So do we need them to implement that survey? I guess that's what I'm asking, or have they already developed that survey? We collaborated on the survey, and I think we can distribute it to our staff. So we don't need them for that. Because I guess my, my question is I guess I have a concern that we already that we went out and did the community survey when we still haven't established that there's support within the campus because we, we we always said that was foundational that we wouldn't move forward with anything unless we knew that there was campus support um, but we already went out and spent quite a bit of money on a community um, survey and now we're talking about hiring somebody to do communications with the public, and we still haven't seen any results from the campus survey. So I'd rather see the results from the campus survey that's already been developed before we decide to spend more money and pursue this any further. But this is already budgeted, correct? It says in here that it is. It is. It is. Um, one small point of correction, the 56.1. Um, is on the first ask, and the 57.4 is on the second. So we do exceed 57%. After, after all the questions were asked, then right. we exceed 57%. Correct. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually my second part, is we've never as a board even been able to discuss the results from the Godby survey. So I, I just feel like I'd rather do two things before we spend more money and go continue to, to reach out to the public. And that is get the results from the campus survey, which I guess has already been developed. We just need to see the results. And also talk about those results and also talk about the Godby results. We've never had a chance to go over those and um, really analyze them and discuss them as a group to decide whether or not we want to continue to, to move forward. So anyway, I'll put it in the form of a motion. I, is, this already, is there a motion on the table? There's a motion on the table. Okay, so I move to postpone the approval of this contract until we see the results as a group of the Godby uh, survey and also the campus survey that's been developed. Question? Postpone this item, what would happen? If you postpone the item, we would not engage in a contract. If we don't engage in the contract, what would that stop? 
it, it would stop all communication with the college staff with this with our consultants. So we would you would be lacking the benefit of their insight, the planning. They're they're helping us develop the external um, strategy, if you will, to you know, what to ask, who to ask, when. Um, PR pieces, the sharpen the the external kind of messaging as well. Yeah, the internal messaging is really about FMP. You know, so it's 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 a support about FMP. What's FMP? I'm sorry, that's the facilities master plan. That's what I'm talking about. Why would we continue to engage externally when we haven't established we make a motion here? The staff. The we just have a motion. She made the motion. She made you made the motion. Uh, there was already a motion, right? I, right? Right. Okay, so I guess, did I move to amend the motion? Was there a motion on the table or not? There was a motion on the table. There was a motion to approve. Okay, so I moved to amend the motion to postpone approval of this contract until we see the results of the campus survey and have an opportunity to discuss the God-based survey as a board. Is there a second on the amended motion. We know second, the motion fails. And we're back to our original motion to approve. I did have a, a I lost my train of thought. Um, I just wanted to clarify again um, that, you know, what portion of it has already been done versus is going to be done that's a part of this contract. Is everything that's listed here, like the the um, internal district survey and all of these other things that's in the final paragraph, are they all a part of this contract that we're looking at right now, or are some yes. of that already been done? Okay. So no, this they are part of this contract. We are in planning. And, um, Could we? I thought um, you said the survey was done, that it was developed. It just needed to be implemented. I'm confused. Is it, is it done or not? <laughs> That isn't the only activity related to engagement and collaboration. But this is engagement with the outside, with the community, not with the, with the college constituents. It's with internal and external populations. Are we planning to have a conversation or presentation about the Godby, uh, the stuff that we already talked about in our small group? Are we planning to do that where we can actually have that conversation sometime soon? Be the board's at the board's pleasure. You, you've already done that. It's been it's public. It's public document, so it's out there. There's been a lot of discussion. And you, you did your two, three on three on two. You know, with the consultants and, and staff, whether or not the board wants to chew on that. Different. Is that a different topic from this particular con well, approving yeah, this is, contract? It is. I'm just saying. Okay. I would I would like to to see that. So if we can maybe put that on our. Well, let's um, have space for you to bring that up uh, later. Can we we have a motion to approve? Did we get the second? We did. You did. did you not? Oh, sorry. Yes, there was a second. No, it wasn't me. No, it was there was a second. Call the question. Am I the only one? 
16. Motion passed, six approved, one opposed, Trustee Martinson, and abstain, Trustee Sandu. Motion approved. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Move approval. Second. Thirteen point twelve passed unanimously. It is now. Sure. Fourteen point one standing committee and other appointment reports. Number one, Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board of Direct Director Iverson. We have um, scheduled a new meeting. Has it off the top of their head? Our next in the near future. We have not met currently. Thank you. To Legislative Affairs Committee, Iverson. As long as everybody knows, we discussed Prop 13. Sometime in January. Yeah, I have to go to the calendar, but it's posted. The dates are all posted online. Okay, thank you. Three audit and finance committee. Cuso. It appears we are meeting <laughs> to sometime the week of December fourth. That's correct. Was yes. that correct? <laughs> thank you. Or District Auxiliary Services Board of Directors, Segura. We have not met. We are scheduled tentatively for December 13th. Uh, but I am glad that I am confirmed and reconfirmed as a voting member of DOS. I am holding on to those um, bylaws and articles for my dear life. Thank you. Questions before we move on? Will there be a committee involved in the negotiations in the student housing project? I'm sorry, we're a housing project. Will there be one of these committees involved with that before we move on to committees? I don't know. I think at this point it's a little too far out to figure that out. So the board of trustees are not involved in negotiations of that, of the contract? No, no that's administration. It will come to you, this group, to ratify. And then you would have questions at that point. Okay. Let's see. Um, 14.2 ad hoc committees, real property asset management. Albini. We did not meet on a report, so I would like to meet 
In the coming weeks uh, to discuss my Peter property, the farm, et cetera, et cetera. That's a field trip. Okay. Um, will you let us know? I sure. Thank you. Uh, board meeting management, Mancusa. We did not meet. We need to meet. We have some language to review. Um, so we will hopefully have that to put forward next month. Uh, future agenda items 14.3. Um, I submitted a request in writing to have close the loop on the discussion about having legal counsel at our meetings. So I know you were going to seek some information and bring it back to the board. So I thought it might be on this month's meeting. So I'm hoping it will be on next month. Well, I had planned to just give everybody an update. Um, I'd like to see it as an action item that we can vote on. Well, I will give my report and see where the board wants to go with that. Any other requests? Like the, some, I don't know what format it would take, but some discussion of the, the bond, um, where we are right now. Um, we did the, the discussion around the housing thing that was kind of just a round robin kind of thing. If you guys to do something in similar format, just to see where things are. Okay, we'll try to kind of frame that <laughs> somehow. I'd like to see, um, Professor Sigour just mentioned it, and I did actually vote at that meeting to approve the bylaws change, but. I know more now, and I'd like to see that item, maybe an ad hoc committee, um, review the role of board members at the auxiliary committees, looking at our board policy and making sure they don't conflict with our board policies, because I think they do. So I think we need to look at that decision, those bylaws changes in light of our board policies. Maybe an ad hoc committee could do that and bring it back. I had a question regarding this. What does pending mean? Where at the end of the sentence on each one, on some of them at least. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, that's it. The fourteen point four trustee and board chair reports. I start. Yes, Good night. Uh, today I went over the. Today I read the facility master plan for the first time, and I was. I liked it a lot. I didn't like how it didn't mention any increase in parking. I would. I wish it would have talked more about that. And the other thing I came across was I didn't know we had land on Mount either. We have 160 acres there, which is pretty cool to hear. And. Uh, Today I spoke to students regarding what should be in the student housing in the dorms, and that's where I came across that we don't have to have a gym there or a pool since we have a gym right across the street. On a personal note, I'm applying to schools right now. And, uh, yeah, with that, I'll close my report. Thank you. Amy. Um, yeah. For activities, I attended the Welcome Back staff meeting. 
Um, I saw the PowerPoint that was presented tonight on the fire um, and the college's role in that. Uh, I also attended the culinary graduation and a fabulous lunch that somebody referred to earlier. And then just um, a brief announcement. Um, I've been getting emails from the Taxpayers Association for the last at least a month um, that they've been trying to meet with um, Mr. Parker and Mr. Christensen to talk about the facilities master plan, and they're frustrated that that meeting still hasn't been set up. So I just want to put that out there, that they would really like to meet with those two individuals to go over the facilities master plan. I attended a Rianda House fundraiser, Texas Hold'em. I donated $75 to the I was part of a panel discussion for the Bracero program at the Napa Valley Museum. It was very enlightening and very good. Um, I went to Washington, D.C. the weekend of, or the week of the 23rd, 23rd to lobby for a potential new visa program for agricultural workers um, that would combine agriculture and um, service jobs. Um, it was a very good experience. Um, we were able to go into the Judiciary Committee discussions as to you know, how it would work out. And um, definitely very interesting. Democrats said no and Republicans said yes. So um, the good thing is that it made it out of um, out of committee, and so it's going to be discussed. Uh, the good part, good thing about that is that um, DACA is included with this bill because a lot of the kids for farm workers are now uh, beneficiaries of the DACA program. So there is um, discussion on that, and it will continue to to go on. Uh, very enlightening. I. Attended partially the conference, the Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities Conference. Um, it was my first time there, and it was, to me it was, it was awesome. They had three floors of the Hilton Hotel. There were all kinds of universities, so students were able to attend and, and check out what they had to offer. Um, very good uh, Sessions, so it was kind of difficult to choose what sessions to go to. Um, they had their first ever trustees forum, um, very informative, and and um, we're on the right track. Uh, the the four-year transfer thing was mentioned as to not being for everybody, and so vocational and trade came into the conversation, and so we're doing good. Um, they also mentioned that um, HSI funds, right now they're coming from the federal government. There are discussions for um, possibly the state uh, putting their share on that. It's, it's, it's on the format, and so I think that it would be really neat for us to kind of get involved in, in what that goes on. Um, I also attended the Desayuno Comunitario, the community breakfast on Sunday. It was a very good attendance. Uh, it was put through Puertas Abiertas. Various organizations provided 
uh, information to the attendees. Um, there was Mentis, Workforce, Legal Aid, just to name a few. It, it was very successful. Um, I attended a gathering that Mr. De Otto posted on Monday for follow-up on the Bracero and Bracero program and, and what else we could do with with that as you know, follow up, uh, develop more history classes, not necessarily only on braceros, but other ethnic groups, and, and so that would also be great. Um, that was very, bracero was very successful, um, and yeah, I had a great lunch at um, commencement. So they only do it; they do it twice, right? So we're in for no. <laughs> Thank you. Marianne. So first I want to just thank once again Ron for your leadership and um, all the other faculty and staff for what you did during the fires and, uh, and the community. I enjoyed bringing everybody a little dinner and feeding, feeding you lasagna along with thanking Rosada for her help bringing it all together and a great big salad. Um, I attended the pancake breakfast that Ron mentioned earlier. It was a huge success. Our student activities center slash cafeteria was packed with people. I was um, serving right alongside Bill Dodd. Of course, the vegetarian got the sausage serving <laughs> so I was kind of doing this this kind of thing as I handed it to people um, but it was a great breakfast there were firefighters there uh, just community in general people were coming and going and it was just a constant flow um, and again it just brought the college you know closer to the community once again um, so that was a wonderful, wonderful event that Mike Thompson put on, along with the Rotary and um, uh, Kiwanis. And then um, I went to both of the meetings that Dr. Kraft had with the faculty and staff. Uh, those were both really well presented and a good turnout, really great turnout. The first one, a little bit lighter on the second one, but still a, a good group of people. And um, and then the cooking school commencement, always, always a wonderful event. And then yesterday, today, one day this week, yeah, it was yesterday, yesterday morning, <laughs> I, um, we had our executive, uh, Workforce Development Board executive meeting, and it was wonderful. We're, we're, it was great because we're getting this huge, um, grant $50 million to assist in uh, the fire recovery, which includes um, dislocated worker, and so there's two grants, dislocated worker and additional assistance. The first one is looking at public lands, not private lands, but public lands where we can put people to work. And these are great jobs. These will be jobs that are up to like $20 an hour. 
and so it would be going out to Skyline Park because that's public land, um, any public land where we can put people to work. Um, and then the additional assistance is for, um, you know, any worker that's been affected. And, and it's very interesting. Any worker that's been affected by the fires can be, um, you know, even somebody who's been laid off because the business is slowed down. Um, so it, it extends beyond just, you know, a business like a Signorella winery that's been completely burnt to the ground. It extends to businesses that are affected in many different ways. So very excited about those grants. Bruce is going to start getting out to the community and uh, really trying to talk to the right people and uh, figure out how we can connect all the dots. Thank you. Michael, and in advance, thank you for your brevity. Thank you. I'd like to thank the college staff for doing what they did. Uh, on, the, on the business side of, of Napa Valley, I was drafted into production and working uh, 12-hour days, and we saw a, a um, we're closed for 10 days at, at Trefethen Winery, and, of course, no visitors during that time. And for days after the fire, up until this past weekend, just um, one or two people visiting were... Formerly, we had easily 100, 100 a day, and and uh, quite a quite a bit in wine sales. So we saw a little uh, resiliency this uh, this past weekend. Uh, just grateful for everyone's contribution to the college here. I, I did meet. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Board Chair uh, uh, Rios. I, I did meet in my walk through a, a, a former student of ours that was running a business and, and a tour company, actually, a graduate of our viticulture program, I recognized and started a tour company, and she was taking advantage of our evacuation center as well as the food provided as her business was shut down and her, her uh, residence, uh, she had to evacuate a residence. So she asked me to pass on her gratitude for a place. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Jennifer? Um, way back in September, I attended um, the, uh, I forget what it was called, but the, the DACA renewal event that was hosted here. I came to that. It, there weren't a lot of people, but um, the kind of the assumption of the people who put it on was that perhaps that meant that the vast majority of people who needed those services had already uh, acquired them somewhere else, but uh, they were able to help quite a number of people that came. Um, Dr. Kraft invited me to a meeting, um, which I can't remember <laughs> who it was, but it was the, the, the group that was here talking about uh, services, potential educational services for seniors and uh, developing programs all in, in that kind of area. So that was very interesting. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so that was very interesting and I was just glad I was able to attend that. I also came to the welcome back uh, meeting uh, for staff and it was very, uh, it was really good energy there and I appreciated in particular uh, the attention to uh, mental health and making certain that people had the resources that they needed staff in particular and making certain that people knew about EAP and um, 
just an aside, uh, last weekend I went at the California Library Association uh, board meeting and legislative and advocacy uh, committees, and there there's some discussion about trying to develop some synergies between the California Department of Education and the California State Library in terms of funding and some various initiatives. It's sometimes difficult since we fall into two different silos. So maybe there'll be some fun stuff coming down the pipe. The librarians and there's some fun stuff coming down the pike. You don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Kyle. So, gosh, I feel like the pressure is on me to be brief. But, uh, there's been a lot going on with the fires. I uh, attended a town hall forum over at Silverado Country Club with my district supervisor and the whole community in that area that was affected by the fires. FEMA was there, um, environmental cleanup, EPA, um, county representatives, supervisors, and it was a wealth of information. It was really one of the big issues they hit on was cleanup. Um, there's some big things that our community is going to be going through. It's going to be a long time for not just the students and faculty and administrators here, but a lot of friends and families. I'm sure everyone knows someone that was affected by the fire. I am very, very grateful for the college's role. I think we did an amazing job, and I think we're going to continue to do big things through recovery efforts. Um, I did uh, attend Santa Lina commencement. That was great. I'd like to see more students in the program. I'd like to see what we can do there. Um, and then big exciting news is we have an awesome men's soccer team here at college. And tomorrow they have a championship game. They have, I believe, a 7-1 and one record. Um, they're kicking butt. And it's really neat to have such a good soccer team. Coach Rogelio doing an amazing job with the team, and I hope to see some of you guys out there tomorrow at 12 o'clock supporting our men's soccer team. A lot of dirty diapers, but that's it. Thanks. Thank you. And I would like to take my time to um, report back. As I said, we, you'll all remember we had robust discussion about having legal counsel at our meetings where there was not a majority of the board in favor of that, we did discuss it. I would look into whether uh, our attorney uh, would be, if the board was interested, um, available to do a kind of a trial basis. And, of course, they're willing to do whatever we want uh, and arrange it however the board might want. So... Um, that's my report back. If the board wishes to have this item back on. Point of order. Uh, could I finish? No, we can't discuss and make a decision on something that's not on the agenda. That's why so, I would like to see it on the agenda. Uh, well, there's no, there was no interest your in report bringing and, that. And make a decision as a board without. Okay, I'm not asking you to make a decision. There was no interest from the board to have legal counsel present. So I'm not intending to bring it back. That question. 
to vote on whether we're going to have equal counsel at the board. It was pretty clear that the board was not interested in doing that. So until I guess I learned otherwise, it's not going to come back on the agenda. did something